The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. The worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show about God's truth in today's society from a multi-generational pastoral perspective. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of Aletheia Bible Fellowship's Project Vigilance, a web portal that provides internet Christians out there with helpful content and insights. We're produced by ABF's Vigilance Radio Network. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org, where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about us. At the top of the show today, let's remember to help us spread this content by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this episode. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and join our Facebook group, where you can stay up to date on this and all our programming. You can find it at vrn.abf on Facebook. Now that all that's said, I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this is Pastor Monty. Welcome to Truth Time. I am Pastor Monty, and we are continuing our discussion in uh, what is uh, what Scripture has to say about Christianity in the Christ Factor. So we've been exploring the importance of understanding what Scripture has to say in regard to who Jesus Christ is. Um, I was watching a program last night, and they were talking about, well, what they have is, I was watching Fox News, and they have this commentator on there who used to be a Roman Catholic priest. And then he uh, stopped being a priest, and so they still have him on as a commentator, and he's, you know, he's interesting to listen to his perspective. But the, the but I was, um, he was talking up about the idea, yeah, he was talking up the idea about about the fact that that um, there are a lot of people in the world that are thankful for Roman Catholicism for the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, a lot of evangelicals in regard to the fact that the Roman Catholic Church takes a, a hardline stand on on various things. This discussion was coming up because the the pontiff uh, is currently mulling over uh, whether or not priests should continue to have a relation with uh, celibacy or not. And uh, and so there's a big controversy about you know whether how how he's going to uh, deal with this issue of celibacy in regard to um, the priesthood, and so the, he was you know talking about this discussion. But what he was saying was is there are a number of evangelicals who have approached him and said to him, you know, well we appreciate the. Roman Catholic Church and and uh, and how it represents Christianity throughout the world, because um, because it takes these stands. Now I can appreciate that it takes those stands, but as I've stated before, unequivocally, Roman Catholicism does not represent Christianity because it does not match what Scripture has to say is representative of Christianity. And that's the reason why we've been going through Scripture, trying to gain a clear understanding of what Christianity is. Because there are lots of uh, people out there that like to take on the moniker that they're Christians when, in fact, they're not living in such a way that they, that they would uh, uh, emulate what Scripture has to say in regard to Christianity. So this week... We are going to take another uh, point 
in regard to uh, what Scripture has to say, and just talk a little bit about that. Um, so Christianity, Christianity is victory in and through Christ. Today we're talking about Christianity is victory in and through Christ. Now we we talked a little bit about this uh, the other day in a different context when we finished up our discussion about the issue of suicide and the pastor that took his life in our concerns for how things were flipped because basically what he was saying is that he did not have victory in Christ. And that's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches us that we have victory in Christ and that we should be grateful for that and live that through. Look at First uh, John, let's look, look together at First uh, John uh, chapter 5, verse 4. says this for there um, let's see so for everyone born of God uh, overcomes the world this is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith who is it that overcomes the world only he who believes in Jesus is the Son of God so we, um, so scripture indicates to us that we have victory in Christ and that we overcome the world. And, and, because, and essentially because we no longer serve the world. And I think that the, that is the primary issue. We've talked about this before. It's kind of an issue that many believers have that they clearly just, they don't, they don't take that which is theirs and and live it accordingly. I, I love the uh, I love the old song "Victory in Jesus" uh, because it's it's uh, simple in the message that it's giving. We, um, but 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 the reason why many people have difficulty with this is because they have not, uh, you know, they have not taken and participated. They have not participated in. Uh, what scripture has to say. And I, I'm, I'm trying to be careful that I don't formulize um, what we're talking about, but there is a process by which you have to go through and recognize certain things. And there are many believers who simply don't, uh, they don't do that because they either, um, they have been formulized, meaning that, you know, um, you know somebody brings them cr to Christ uh, via the, uh, you know, via uh, a, uh, a pamphlet. Yeah, yeah. Or, or somebody, you know, brings them to Christ because they were part of a evangelistic outreach. And so they formulize a little bit about, you know, what has to happen. But remember that, that in Matthew, the call to the, to the church was not to make spiritual babies, but to um, but to make disciples, and and uh, and and that that process of discipleship is taking a young believer who has made a profession of faith, uh, coming alongside that individual, and walking them through some rudimentary steps, which are necessary for for them to begin their their spiritual life. Can you can you hear my microphone at all? No. Mm. Okay. We're having a little bit of uh, technical difficulty here. Yeah. You, you can keep going. Yeah. So so in so the, a review of that of that process. Remember, and we've talked about this before, and I don't want to to beat a dead horse, but but part of that process is is to remember that. That when you when you come to Christ, when you accept Christ as as uh, as Lord and Savior, um, what you're doing is the part of the process is repentance, and repentance is the the recognition that how you've been doing things 
is uh, is apart from how God would have you to do things, and you've been living in sin because you're glorifying and lifting up self. And when you accept Christ as your Savior, you are saying that I recognize that that's the case, and I repent of how I have been living. I repent of the things that have uh, pointed me in a different direction than living for God. I repent of those parts of me that are not synonymous with what Scripture has to say. So I repent of all of those things, and I come to Christ wanting to learn uh, about him. Yeah, okay, there we go. Mike's on. Okay. Um, I was just going to say um, Lauren Daigle. Do you know who that is? I'm not familiar with that. So she's a Christian artist. Her um, music... Her song just went to number one. It's the the most, or not, didn't just go to number one, but it's the most. Um, so it's a new on, artist? Yeah, sort of on the top charts. It's okay. the top Christian charts for okay. um, for 63 weeks or something. Wow, okay, good for long. Um, but you look at that song. I want to find the, the lyric for it. Yeah, say. That's what it's called. Um, and the first thing that she says, you uh, let's see. It's the, you say I am loved, I can't feel a thing, so on and so forth, right? Have you, you probably haven't heard it then, huh? No, I haven't. So, let's see if I can get a little bit, a little taste of it. Let's see. Come on. Man, technical difficulties abound today. <laughs> That's okay. You want to sing it? No, I don't want to sing it. <laughs> I can hum along or play the kazoo to accompany the you. Kazoo? Yeah, yeah, the kazoo? Yeah, I do have yeah. a kazoo here. Man. Wow. Sorry, guys. This is really bad. We have a new studio setup. Okay. So here it is. She starts off by saying, the very first lyric in it is, I keep fighting voices in my head that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I'll never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You say, the chorus, you say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I think I'm weak. You say I'm held when I'm falling short. And when I don't belong, oh, you say I'm yours and I believe. Oh, I believe what you say of me, I believe. Um, that opening line, that very first verse, I keep fighting voices in my head that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I'll never measure up. Lauren, have you read scripture? Yeah. Because that's what scripture says. Yes. Scripture doesn't say that you're, that you are enough. It says the opposite. You are not enough. Right. Jesus Christ is enough. Is enough. Right. And that's what we're driving towards. Right. And so that's the that's the problem that Pastor Monty is talking about is this like incessant um rewriting of the narrative. That's in my mind that's like a huge aspect of it. And this is the number one song on Christian charts for 63 weeks. It's a it's the record setter, the most popular and, song ever in the history of Christianity. And the relevance of that, I kid you not, the relevance is that is you're going to have if it's 63 weeks on the top of the charts, you're going to have millions, I'm not exaggerating, you're going to have millions of believers who are taking in and ascribing to a false gospel. Right, right. Because they're going to go in and they're going to be singing that song in their heads and they're going to be repeating that lyrics uh, subconsciously likely, but the message is there and it is a false message. Right. And, 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 and there, are, there are so many believers today that do not live in victory because they have accepted a false message. And that's the reason why we go back to Scripture. And I'm not promoting the idea that you have to formulize things, but I am promoting the idea that you need to know what happened when you accepted Christ and when you decided to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Right. And so there is that repentance that has to be there. You are 
giving mental assent to the idea that you are estranged to God because you have been living for self and you're seeking repentance. Repent. The, the word repentance uh, means to, to, to turn 180 degrees. It means to change as, as if in a metamorphosis. Where uh, just like a, a, a caterpillar uh, enters a cocoon, and when it comes out, it comes out a butterfly. The the idea is is that you are turning the exact opposite direction. You were uh, living, and you're you're now living for God. So before you were living for self. Now you're living for God. That's why. For so so first, there's an acknowledgement of that. Secondly, then you need to be baptized. And we've talked a little bit about baptism, but I'm not talking about I'm not talking about uh, sprinkling. I'm not talking about pouring. I'm talking about you need to be immersed completely under the water as if you are in a grave, right? So that you die to self and you raise up a new creation in Christ. Well, yeah, it needs to be a purposeful baptism yes no offense to the pedo baptists out there um that you know are our friends but um the baptism at least that we're talking about here is not one simply of uh, a ceiling spiritually but it's a ceiling mentally yeah. as well yeah and and, the, and and so that's the reason why um at, at Alathia, for example we don't we don't baptize anybody until you have sat down with the elders and you can describe to us what happens in this process. When I was a, when I was a young man, I, live, I grew up in a church, uh, the Christian church, that, um, that if you uh, made a profession of faith to accept Christ uh, during the service, then at the end of the service, you were baptized immediately. And so it was not uncommon for, you know, you to us to have somebody give a profession of faith and then, then they were immediately baptized. There wasn't any waiting period between that to for them to discuss with the elders what was actually happening. They were just, you know, they needed to be baptized because Scripture said they have to be baptized. Uh, I, I don't agree with that. I think that you need to have an understanding of what takes place because the next step is after you are baptized, so you die to self, you're raised to a new life. The next step is that you you give a mental assent to the fact that you are now living for Jesus Christ. Well, I think we have the luxury of... I, I don't have a problem with people being baptized immediately, personally, um, when they come to acceptance, right? Because in my mind, there is that mental assent. Um, when a person comes to to a believing faith. But we have the luxury in this culture of exploring the maturity of it. It's a little bit... Baptism is a lot like marriage. And it's a little bit like saying to somebody that you now realize you love them, so let's get married. And certainly there's call for that, I think. I mean, I'm that type of person. I mean, you can ask my wife about it. But in a lot of cases, like a person needs to, once they realize who Jesus is in their life, it's good for them to come into maturity. In this cult, before they step, before they take the step of baptism, it's good to allow them. It's not, it's not bad if they don't, but it's good to give them the opportunity to come to mental maturity before they, before they take that step. Because in this culture, we have the ability to allow them that time as long as their shepherds are pushing them on that journey. That said, in biblical times, they didn't have that time. They didn't have that opportunity. They no, had to be baptized immediately. No, they didn't have that opportunity. But, but in biblical times, you're talking about before the Apostle Paul wrote Romans and wrote you know, the epistles and gave explanation. The reason why the yeah. Apostle Paul had to write out yeah. those things mm -hmm. is because people were confused. Yeah. Is because they didn't understand the so apostle. You know, the Paul said, "Wait, wait, wait. Okay, look. Right. This is what's supposed to be happening. This is what it means because yeah. people were, and that's a good point. People were getting baptized 
without understanding it. Right. But you notice Paul doesn't say, now you have to wait until you have this, until you're baptized. He says, this is what that meant. In our culture, we have, we're not persecuted the way they were. Well, that, that's really what it comes down to. That's true, but I'm just going to grab on to your analogy of marriage and okay. and uh, and just extrapolate that a little bit because see, I will not marry a couple unless they go through about uh, about 20 hours of counseling with me. Sure, me too. Because I want their marriage to to have a good foundation for them to work with. The reason why uh, many married couples get, uh, have difficulty and why even amongst believers, the divorce rate parallels uh, the, uh, the pagan society. So 50% divorce rate, not good. Why is that? Because people are underprepared and take things for granted and fail to carry out those things that they need to to allow their marriage to be successful. That being said, I would say the same thing has to happen in regard to the new believer. There are many believers out there who simply don't understand what they went through and are ill-prepared for the life that they claim they want to live. Well, and there's honestly, like, the call is to discipleship, too. It's not to conversion. There's, yes. no, there's no biblical conversion flashpoint where you ask Jesus into your heart, which, by the way, isn't really a biblical concept. Right. Um, that's something that came much later. The idea of asking Jesus into your heart and he comes and lives inside your heart. Um, the, so this, this concept of, like, you know, praying these things and then Jesus comes into your heart and then you receive the Holy Spirit and so on and so forth, that's a very formalized reality. The truth is is that generally a person's conversion is done over time. Yes. And they have a realization, a moment of realization that, you know, solidifies their, their faith and then they start making proclamations and so on and so forth. But um, discipleship isn't conversion-based. Yeah, no, I agree, and that's why I said earlier. I mean, well, it's not momentary conversion based. It's you're just uh, you're just uh, agreeing with what I said earlier that that we we don't need to have this formalization. So, but but there is, uh, according to Scripture, a standard that we look at. So you need to have that repentance. You need to have that acknowledgement. You need to be yeah. baptized. So that the mental ascent is a good way of putting it. Yes, and, and the mental ascent then becomes important because in Romans, the Apostle Paul says that you know we are to put on a, a new mind yeah, and a new way of thinking. And there are many people that they give a mental ascent to the fact that they uh, kind of agree with what Jesus had to say, uh, and so they want to live as a good person and and follow kind of what what Jesus said. But there's no there's no power there because they're trying to hold on to that which is dead, their self. Yeah, or if they were baptized when they were younger and couldn't mentally assent to and, it and didn't know, yes, and so they don't understand what this means, and now they have to be told in post. Um, which is fine. I mean, there, there's nothing necessarily wrong about that, but I do think it robs the power of it for a person to, uh, you know, <laughs> you know. You- no, you know, you're exactly correct. In 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 the in what many people fail to recognize is that this what we're talking about here is necessary to to be victorious in Christ. As you live your your uh, your walk of discipleship, yeah. The point is, we're not talking about salvation. Yeah, we're not talking about a a single moment in time. We're talking about a progressive journey in which we come closer and closer to that which we have all we are we are already holy and righteous. The uh, first Peter tells us that we are already a holy and righteous people. We are in the process of becoming what we already are. Right. That's the doctrine of sanctification. Yes. So so what Scripture teaches, then, is that in Jesus Christ, we have victory. 
But but let's let's be sure to not confuse that because I think this is where people get confused. Okay. Let's be sure not to confuse that with like Lauren Daigle's point, right? That uh, that we are already this. In, in, in ontologically speaking, like God tells me that I am already righteous. Uh, well, that's true, but not ontologically. Your righteousness on your own is as filthy rags. Yes, yes. And, 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 and the reason... And that's then, as a Christian. No, and I appreciate that. And the, re- and the reason then that you are deemed righteous is not because of you. Right. See, the believer doesn't to be walking away and say, now I believe in Jesus, and because I believe in Jesus, I'm all that. Right. That's that's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that your holiness and your righteousness is because of Christ's shed blood, which is over you. Right, and the mental assent that you give needs to be connected to that. Yes. So it needs to say, I am a sinner who's saved by grace. That's right. It can't just be... Um, I assent to the fact that God is all powerful and that He can save me in my greatness, <laughs> and that's and that's one of the reasons why we start the Christ Factor with that great Gaither song. Yes, and a bad taste in music. <laughs> because I'm just kidding. I don't actually think that across the board. Because that's the reality that that we're looking at. So in Christ, so the point is in Christ we have victory. Because he has given us the victory. That's the issue. Now, uh, you know, speaking of the Apostle Paul and trying to help believers understand this dynamic, in, uh, in Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39, the Apostle Paul basically details some of this, where, uh, where he says this. He says... Um, well, I think I'm going to read the verse before that. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor uh, the present nor the future nor any powers nor the height or of any depth or anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, that's that's a position of victory, understanding that the position that we have in Christ gives us the victory, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And when people don't understand that, that's when we get into massive amount of issues with the church. And that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and notice, notice as he says, see, he's not only describing the physical realm, uh, but he's describing the spiritual realm as well. And there is a proliferation of things out there today in regard to the supernatural and in regard to there's you know you get programs where people are calling out ghosts it always fascinates me that they they call out these ghosts and then when a spirit presents itself they get all shook up and frightened well idiot you you you, you asked well, it's the, spirits don't even. I mean, I have yet to see one of those shows where it really seems to me like there is an actual evil spirit. Yeah, and don't I, get me wrong. If you know me, you know that I believe in that stuff and I've encountered stuff, but I just I haven't seen it on a show. Well, and and my point, my the the point of my alluding to that is that it's it's prevalent in our society, and 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 there are there are things that we simply don't have an explanation for. Right. I get that. I'm okay with that. You know, the if you look at so so my specialty be um, when I was when I was uh, a young man, uh, my specialty was looking at the abnormal and and those uh, spiritual type issues and and looking at the practices of various cultures. 
uh, Indian cult, American Indian cultures, for example, where you have shamanism and you have uh, the belief that you can transform into uh, spirit guides uh, or an animal guide. Yeah, animism. You, yeah, you, yeah. yeah, where you would physically uh, transform uh, from an individual to an animal. Transmogrification. Yes, those, those types of things have been around for centuries and centuries and centuries. So... That's not, and the point of my bringing that up is the Apostle Paul makes it very clear that he's saying, yes, we live in a world that is not only a physical world, but we live in a spiritual world as well, and that that spiritual world, just as the physical world, are all submissive to Jesus Christ. They're all submissive to Jesus Christ. And more importantly, because you are a part of Jesus Christ, covered by his blood, set apart, a part of Jesus Christ, you have victory uh, in where you stand. Right. And that's that's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. You know, and, and so that, and so as believers... And that's where true victory is. Yes, that's in, correct. In understanding where you stand, which is... On the shoulders of God and nothing more. Yeah, there's a couple of places that I, I I have not written down because I don't want to go into them too deep. But there's a couple of great places in Scripture. First, in the Book of James, um, it it, uh, it it talks about the fact that when we when uh, we, well, the Scripture is always almost always not uh, shared correctly, uh, where uh, it says, uh, "Resist the devil and he will flee from you." Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, it's, that's, that's not too short. It's not the reason why he's fleeing is he's fleeing, not you, but he's, he's fleeing Jesus Christ because you are in him. And, and the apostle Paul, uh, gives a great, or in the book of Acts, we see a great, uh, understanding of this. When um, some people were watching people cast out demons, the sorcerer was watching somebody cast out demons. He said, hey, that's cool. I think I can do that. Mm-hmm. And so he confronted, uh, he confronted the uh, demons, and the demons said, hey, we know, who, <laughs> we know who Paul is, you know, we don't, but we don't know who you are. And they right. attacked him. Right. Why? Because you know Paul was was ministering as a as a as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul stood in Christ. We our protection stands because we are next to Jesus Christ, not because of us. And so that takes a real you you need to understand that. So we have victory in Jesus Christ. The victory is ours. And Scripture clearly teaches that that's the case, and so that's uh, that's our our deal for today. We want to. Um, there's one more uh, passage, uh, Ephesians chapter three, verses uh, twenty uh, through twenty-one. You know, basically, uh, you know, paraphrased. You know, says that. Uh, because we're with him, you know. So now unto him, it's it's that uh, I like to use it in the form of a benediction where, you know. You use the Jude passage. No, I think I use the Ephesian passage. Nope. Do I use the Jude passage? Absolutely. Oh, man, I tell you, I'm just. I'm and now unto him who is able to keep us keep from falling, falling and present his faultless before his throne with exceeding grace to the only wise God, Jesus Christ, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's that's the Jude passage. Yeah. Okay. In Ephesians chapter, chapter 3, <laughs> there's a similar passage which says essentially the same thing. Yeah. We are in a position of of uh, being able to achieve these things and have victory in Christ because of who he is. Right. So this goes back to our discussion earlier uh, when we were talking about suicide and we've talked about so many different things. Look, here's the deal. No matter what your in in I'll state this again so it's clearly understood. I don't I don't care what your predilection towards sin 
was before you became a believer. I, I, I don't care if you were a thief. I don't care if you were an adulterer. I don't care if you couldn't keep your pants closed and you were doing everybody around. I don't care if you were a homosexual. I don't care what you're, I don't care if you were drunk. I don't care what you were or what you were doing. Listen, when you align yourself with Jesus Christ, you are no longer to continue to do those things. Self is no longer to be glorified, and you are to have victory in Christ and overcome those things that were of the flesh. And that includes that long list that I just made and anything more that would separate you from uh, lifting up Christ in his righteousness. Yeah. And there are people who have problems with that. There are people who want to have little churches where they, uh, they self-identify with, uh, well, I'm a homosexual or I'm an alcoholic. Or so that's why I don't like the twelve step thing. Well, and we teach we teach we teach it in our churches that it's fine, you know. Yeah, yeah, we teach in our churches that it's fine to be that way because you know we want to be seeker friendly or we want to be truth, truth. um, What is it? Truth finding or whatever. Right. right. We forget the holiness of God. I was watching uh, the whole Kanye West thing. You know about that Sunday services, Kanye West. Briefly heard about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, apparently he. So I was listening to the sermon the guy was giving. Uh, he so it it started off with just his music, and it was like he would do these Sunday services, and it, he did his music as gospel music. And then sometime in the last like couple months, he had an apparent conversion. Okay. And now he's invited this preacher to come preach at his Sunday services, and he's calling himself a Christian. In fact, his newest album is called, uh, so, like. Jesus is king. Okay, and so people are getting upset with him? Well, no, people aren't. I think they don't know what to do with it, and I okay. didn't know what to do with it either. But I was listening to this this preacher preach, and his his um, his message was on the holiness of God and how God isn't like anything else. Right. And if you if, – I didn't hear the whole thing, but if you – one of his things was if you say that you have a relationship with God, then you can't forget that God is holy. right. And I was like, wow, this is actually good. And yeah. he's like quoting scripture. Yeah, biblical, yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. So, but it's true. Like, we want to be seeker friendly, but we forget that God is holy and that he's different than everything else and that we can't mix our own identity in with his identity. One thing's got to give. It's always going to, one thing is going to give, right. you know? It's either you or God. Right. So this concept that we're talking about here, it, what scripture teaches is that we have victory in Christ and whatever you're struggling with, Whatever, whatever you're going through that you haven't let go, if you've gone through this process we've talked about, then you have victory in Christ. You just have to claim it, and you have to limit. Uh, you have to live it. And, the, and if you've repented of it, but you've fallen back into, li- into living that which would separate you from God, what do you need to do? Repent again. Mm-hmm. repent again, make that mental ascent that says, I know this is not according to what God's word says, and, and, and pray that God would give you victory because the victory is yours. You just need to, you need to claim it, and you need to uh, have the correct mental ascent as to the direction you're going to go. All right, let's let's take and uh, let's uh, delve in uh, to a couple things. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what's up with that. I've only got one that I wanted to discuss. There's so many things that are just wow, but I've only got one that um, I think we only have time to deal with today. It has to do with the um, the New York civil rights, uh, the New York. Uh, human, what is it? So let's see. I have a mental block. Civil rights commission or human rights commission. Anyway, what they've done 
is they've put forth a proclamation in this in the city you know you know you know New York considers itself a woke culture you know woke culture you know they they're they emphasize a woke culture a woke, a woke culture they okay yeah they, yeah they they emphasize the importance of all these different things and they have uh, stated that anybody that makes that uses uh, phraseology like uh, like illegal alien right right or or uh, calling somebody out uh, you know telling them that you're going to call ice on them because they're uh, they're illegally not here or anybody that uh, you know calls out uh, an LGBT lifestyle any of those types of things those types of things are not going to be allowed in the city of New York and they're going to start fining people uh, up to $250,000 for doing so. Wow. Now, there's a couple problems with that. Um, if you're writing about something mm. or you're even speaking something, um, the Supreme Court has already ruled that whether people like it or not, hate speech is still part of your right under the Constitution of the United States. Yeah, as long as you're not inciting. Right, as long as you're not inciting. So, you know, one of the protections that we have, so you can go over to Europe, you can go to our neighbor in Canada. Canada has some pretty... Uh, they can't. You can't do that in no, Canada. No, 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 no. Pretty aggressive that yeah. you can get yourself in major trouble. Yeah. Uh, China... I was. Uh, I had a writer with me the other day, and we were talking about uh, they. He was visiting China, and when they visited Beijing, uh, they the the guide told them the tour guide told them before they entered into this area they were going into. He said, "You you need to be very very careful about anything that you say." Yeah. Because there are microphones and cameras all over the place. Yeah, it's crazy. Big yeah. brother. And we don't see so so according to the Constitution of the United States, we don't live under that type of a uh, a heavy hand. Yeah. We have freedom of speech. And what we have happening right now, is we have uh, a far-left uh, group of individuals that have a far-left agenda that are seeking to erode the rights that we have given to us under the Constitution. So, you know, I mean, this, this, is, this is dangerous. Have you ever watched Louder with Crowder? I've heard of it. Steven Crowder. You yeah, know, you he, told he, me about Mr. Crowder. He does. He So he uh, was Canadian-born, and so he immigrated to the U.S. and became okay. an American citizen. But he'll get into it with people on that. Like, he'll talk about, he'll do, like, I don't believe. So he does this thing called um, Change My Mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. You told me about that. That's fascinating. Yeah, and so he'll, so he just, like, ones, like, I don't believe in hate speech. And then people will try to change his mind, but they always talk about um, freedom of speech. And you know, one of the things that Crowder points out is that America is really the only place that has actual freedom of speech. Yeah, that's correct. And and it's yeah. a pro and it's protected under the Constitution of the United States. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be those individuals in our society that uh, push the envelope in a different direction. Sure. And try to erode that. Right. And so what's going to, so, you know, they, so there are people that are going to, so what, they're doing a couple things. I mean, basically, they're not only saying that their intention is to levy these fines, but they're also encouraging people to, uh, to snitch yeah. on other people. Well, okay, you know, many of you listening to me right now have not lived in other countries or in oppressive type regimes. I actually have, um, for a brief time, I lived in the Philippines for several years while the Philippines was still under martial law. 
So I'm aware of what it's like to live someplace where, um, you know, those types of things go on. It's not a good thing. Yeah. It's a frightening thing. And so we need to be very vigilant. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, one thing that I would, and I didn't bring this up uh, in our own church here on Sunday, but one of the things we really need to be praying for is we need to be praying for God's hand of protection over uh, the events which we're going to see taking place within the next several years. Because this is, um, uh, there is a constant attempt to erode what we already have before us. And let me say this. I'm an old man. So so much of this stuff, although it, it annoys me, will not really affect me a great deal. But you may not be, but, but, but it's going to take, if they're going to keep applying the pressure and they're going to keep trying to take away our rights overtly, and eventually they will succeed if people are not vigilant. Just as a side note, if you, if you have uh, had opportunity to listen to the far-left Democrat, uh, Democratic candidates uh, who want to be president of the United States, they are systematically talking about taking away the rights that are given to us constitutionally. They're talking about free speech and taking away our free speech. Uh, um, uh, Kamala Harris said that, that President Trump needed to have his Twitter account taken away from him. Now, you may not like President Trump, and you may not like his, uh, his uh, flamboyance on Twitter, but what does that fall under? free speech yeah uh you know um beto o'rourke overtly said we are going to take your guns now for those of you who and and we have protection under the constitution that that we're allowed to bear arms Right. And if you go back and you're not an ignoramus and you go back and you read the Constitution, you know the reason why that was put in the Constitution? Not so that you could protect yourself from robbers and animals and stuff like that. It was put in the Constitution. From the government. That's right. The yeah. framers put it there so that the people of the United States had the ability to protect themselves from an oppressive government. And here we have individuals that are saying they want to now lead our government saying we're going to take the guns away from you. You know what? They're not going to succeed now. But if they keep pushing, your my my grandchildren, yep, they'll be fighting this. Yep. So, and of course, my response to all this is, what's up with that? But I know what's up with that because I know what Scripture says, that we're going to see all these massive changes taking place. So let's see, what else have we got? Oh, hey, I know. Let's talk, uh, let's talk about, um, we got a, a couple of words that we're going to talk about in cultural um, lunacy. So there, there are two words that I'll uh, we'll talk briefly about today, and Josh, you'll probably enjoy these two words. Um, the first word is uh, troll. Now you know. Nice. The thing, the thing is, is that, and uh, forgive me, I'm dating myself, but when I think of troll, I think of three billy goats per gruff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which you're familiar with, Josh, because we. Your mother and I were insistent that you have a proper, well-rounded, exposed education. You know, you can find a troll underneath the uh, bridge in Seattle. Uh, well, and I and we've been there. Mm-hmm. We've been there, and we've seen that. But, 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 or, or I think of that wonderful, uh, that wonderful scene in The Sound of Music, 
With a troll? Where they're where they're doing the marionettes? Oh yeah 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 yeah. The yeah. lonely goat herd. Yes yes mm-hmm. yes yes. Yeah. Wonderful wonderful scene. Okay, so when I think of a troll, that's what I think of. Is trolls used to basically uh, they would hide under bridges and then they would stop people. Yeah. And harass them and demand uh, money usually or pay right. some type of payment right, uh, right. to be able to cross the bridge. Right. Uh, that's not what it's meant nowadays when somebody says that you're trolling. The basic, the basic definition of uh, of somebody who is called a troll is that they're uh, they're being accused of being argumentative. Yeah, and, purposely. And purposely, they're and, flaming. Yeah, and looking for a, looking for a fight, right? As it were. And so, if somebody has, and this may surprise my audience. But I have, on occasion, been called a troll. Yeah, you have a bit of a troll in you. Which is just not true. Which is no, just not true. You definitely but, have but, a bit of a troll in you. But trolling, trolling, not, yeah. not just being a troll, but trolling, in my day, we called that pushing somebody's buttons. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Nowadays, though, they call it trolling. Right. So if you're trying to, if you're, if you're doing something specifically to tweak somebody and to get a rise out of them, um, that's it's that's now called trolling. Right. And that's you know, it's it's not looked as a on as a good thing. Do you find that people in your generation and your level of um, expertise in you know in in the tech world? I don't know if you in the virtual world, maybe that's a better way of saying yeah, it. Yeah. Um, are new to that term? Troll, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah used within that context, yes. Hmm. In fact, I, you know, when it was first applied to me, it was applied incorrectly. But when, uh, okay, so let's talk about incorrectly. Why okay. do we say it was applied incorrectly? Because I was having an online discussion with somebody and they were making a point. That they didn't want to, and I was I was countering their point, uh, and they didn't want to hear my discussion. So because they disagreed with me, or they weren't able to uh, absorb what I was sharing with them, sure, um, I was a troll. Right. So anybody who disagrees is considered a troll. Well, that's one of the mechanisms that sure. you know people use in order to. Um, seek to control conversation. So one of the things that people on, on uh, some people on the right, on the far right, yes, but but one of the tactics which is very dominant right now uh, in far left thinking is that um, I don't want discussion. If you disagree with me, then I'm going to somehow demonize you. Yeah, it's called can- cancel culture. Yeah. I don't know if that's on your list of things to talk uh, about. I haven't gotten there, but it is there. So so cancel culture is the idea that, you know, uh, well, you remember the, the where it kind of started? Uh, you remember the talk to the hand type thing? Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, that was a, a very, that was a soft touch beginning well, it's, it's, of it's, the idea. Cancel culture is just a modern day shunning. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> you know, like, and, and yeah, and the rea- the reality of it is, is that you know, uh, the way things used to be done is you bring your point, I bring my point, right? We discuss the points in a you know in a in, in a thorough manner, mm-hmm. and then we either agree to disagree or we yield if your point is overwhelming my point. And we, you know, uh, come to some uh, somewhere an agreement. Well, it's definitely how it used to be done um, outside the playground. Once you got to a certain age, I think the people just never the the current generation hasn't, you know, they've been so um, allowed to wallow in their own self pity and their own self aggrandizing that they haven't been told that that doesn't work anymore. And so that's the game they play. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, right, because mo- most people today are coming from, and I understand this is a generalization, so, you know, no cards and letters, okay? But, but, but most people today uh, live inside of a, a victim mentality, 
and and they live inside of the idea that um, they're so self-absorbed that they're wonderful and and uh, well, they're the center of their own universe. I yeah. mean, even again, look at look at that um, look at that song that we started off Guy, the right. podcast talking right. about. I mean, this is her worship, right? This worship song that she wrote is beautiful sounding, um, but it starts off with her. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so 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 the idea is is in this is that uh, you know people will ascribe to you, and we talked about this before. You know, so if they don't want to hear what you have to say, you're either a racist or you're xenophobic or you're a troll or whatever it is, right. because what they're trying to do is shut down the conversation that they are simply right. incapable of engaging in. Um, the other word that is out there that I thought we could at least uh, talk on briefly because it's thrown around quite a bit in today's culture, and uh, we use it even here uh, in this fellowship, is the idea of branding. Mm. Now, when I, when I grew up, you know, branding was ascribed to cattle. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, if you, if you owned a cattle ranch... And you wanted to protect your cattle in the cattle ranch, because what you see normally, I know we got a bunch of city folk out there, but see, in in when when you raise cattle, uh, you don't keep them all together, but seasonally right. you turn them out to pasture. Back in the day. Back in the day. Now you just. Or you live in Alaska. But that's how they do it. Now in you just put them in in troughs and stuff them as close together as possible. That's well, my own. Uh, if yeah, I know, I know. I don't like that. Yeah. Um, oh, that reminds me. Oh, we'll come back to it. Um, so, so uh, the uh, um, you know, if you watch like uh, the Last Frontier, um, there's the the kilters. Star Trek Five. No, no, the kilters. I'm just up uh, up in Alaska, okay. they take their cattle every uh, springtime. And they take them up to the head of Catchmats Bay, and they just let them roam. And they let them roam, and then they go out and catch them later. And they, they catch have a brand them, on them, right? So, yeah. that's, so they have a brand, so they know who belongs to what, right? And and so that's the idea of branding. Today, the term is used, kind of signify that, but in a, a little bit different fashion. When somebody talks about branding today, what they're really talking about is they're talking about a uh, a concentrated uh, effort to make sure that they're that they uh, act and perceive and are per not only that they act a particular way, but they are perceived um, along with the way in which they act. So the idea is to try to uh, have some control over how perceive you, which well, you're perceived, which is very important. You know, when I was uh, working for the Internal Revenue many many years ago. I listened to a guy that um, he was like a, a GS-14 or 15, so he's pretty high up there. Um, and I, when I, so I, I retired as a GS-12, so he was still several grades above me, but he, he was giving a presentation about what you need to be aware of. And one of the, one of the things he talked about in the cor corporate world is that you need to understand what your organizational book is. And mm -hmm. what he was saying is... Your, is, like, organizational Bible? Well, no, 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 no. What your organizational book is means that, that, that uh, people within the organization, when your name is mentioned, they have a perception of who you are. Okay. So when you talk to your managers, when the, you know when the managers are gathering together and they're saying, you know, we're going to use this person for that, and we're going to do this, we're going to do that, they look at every person with an organizational book. Hmm. And what he's saying is, is that you need to be aware of what your organizational book is, and you need to be involved in in uh, in shaping that. Yeah. So that how you so that how people perceive you is is how you want to be perceived. Well, the same thing is true with the idea of branding. <laughs> you know, individuals can do it, organizations can do it, churches can do it, but what it basically means is that it means actively 
being involved in saying, this is who we are and how we act and live falls in line with who we are. Right. That's, that's essentially what branding is in today's world. You want to add anything? I mean, did I pretty much cover it? Um, I just want to add that branding is a good thing. Like, that's really what it comes down to. Um, it's Christian, I would even say. It's, so there's a difference, of course, between being um, surface. There's a difference between right. being surface. Yeah, you don't want to be fake. But, you, but the concept of brand is in itself goes beneath the surface. And that's what a brand does, right? You don't right. draw something onto your cattle. You actually burn it you into You burn it them. into them, yeah. And yeah. understanding the brand of that is on you as a Christian is it's biblical. I mean, what do you think Paul is saying when he says, I bear on my body the marks of Christ? Right. He's talking about the brand of Christ on him. Right. And so we when we for instance, when we identify with our sin, when we identify as, say, a homosexual, what we're what we're doing is we're talking about the brand of who we are. Right. And that's why that inevitably leads to a changing of culture. Because culture creates brand. So then you have people who dress, you know, who dress stereotypically or who speak stereotypically. What they're doing or who have rainbow flags flying or whatever. Because what they're doing is they are giving into the brand of that versus the brand of Christ. And so there is this concept of a brand. It's not bad. um, It's good. And Paul says that he's honored to to have the marks of Christ, you know, like don't be concerned when, uh, well, just like like what he said about the scars, like he has the scars and those those show the marks of Christ. That's the brand. So I, I think we need to be careful to not view, to to a not view branding as surface level, but view it for what it is, which is a scarring onto our identity. It's it's a part of who we are, something we can't get rid of, and then to understand that clearly. And then to make sure that, like Pastor Monty said at the beginning, that who we are matches our the branding exactly. that we are. Yes. And and I think that that he said that we use it at Alethea. We do absolutely. We are fiercely protective of our brand, and we should be protective of our brand because our brand is part of the branding of Christ. You can't walk around with a bunch of people who have a brand that doesn't match. Or fit in with the branding of our of our Christianity, and that's part of the problem. Is you have a lot of people out there who are identifying, claiming to be Christian, saying that they're part of this church, but their brand doesn't match. Right. Like right. we understand the brand of Christ, and you have to understand it too. That's it's the same thing. Maybe you won't identify with me on this, but it's the same thing as the difference between Best Foods Mayo and other mayo. Wow. <laughs> you know? Best Foods Mayo. Or for your brother, Tillamook Cheese. Sure. And, yeah, or yeah. Coca-Cola versus Pepsi. There you go. Like a brand is something that you have to protect fiercely, especially when what we're talking about is an identity-based brand, right. as in the one we have in Christ. So it's it's a it's a really important thing. And to date, I have yet to find a church that um, that understands branding outside of the aesthetic value of it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's be and that's because, and that's one of the reasons why we're defining these different terms because there are things out that are going out there around in the culture out there that a lot of people just don't understand. But clearly, from a scriptural standpoint, um, we need to recognize that our brand, as it were, is that uh, we are victorious in Christ and we are his. And we are to lift him up and glorify him in everything that we seek to do. And uh, with that... I'm going to go ahead and close um, our time together today. It's been an hour. Hey, oh, I, I, I wanted to bring something up to one more thing. Maybe you heard about this. Maybe you didn't. I was uh, ecstatic about this. Uh, do you know that a new study had come out out of, uh, in Europe, they did an extensive study in regard to um, beef. Okay. And all those people that are saying that beef isn't, that red meat isn't good for you nonsense 
Okay. This study indicates, in fact, that uh, red meat is no more better or worse for you than any other type of meat. And and so you and so after we get done here today, I'm gonna go out and have me a big thick hamburger. Okay. <laughs> All right, there you go. Uh, so we only have a couple more episodes of Truth Time for this season. Um, we have, I think, three more episodes. Our last Truth Time will be the 29th of October. Right. And we're going to go ahead and finish up our um, VRN programming for the year. So if you can't get enough of Truth Time, keep paying attention because you only have a few more episodes left of the uh, of the year. Um, wow, my webpage just crashed on me. Uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and uh, wrap up this show. Oh yeah, and don't forget, you can always you can always go back and listen. You can always go back and listen to Truth Time. We have all of our episodes available online. Um, yeah, if you're someone who's seeking answers and you want to know more about your faith, if you're new to Jesus Christ or the Bible, we want to help you. So check out the help tab at abfpdx.org and remember, remember that we're always open to questions. Um, this is uh, the Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast is a resource of the Lathe Bible Fellowship of Portland, Oregon, and it's a webcast on the Vigilance Radio Network, a resource developed by ABF's Project Vigilance, which is a web portal that provides helpful and interesting online resources for the church local and at large. And you can be a part of the VRN and what we're doing here. Just join that Facebook page, the Vigilance Radio Network, and you'll get access to all of our content, including Culture Insanity, The Upper Story, Cross-Examination, Truth Time, and like like I said, we're at the end of season two, so there uh, there could be new content coming our way next season. We'll start that back up in January. Stick with us till the end of October, though. If you've enjoyed Truth Time, consider supporting us. Our network shows are free to you, but they're not free to us. You can head over to abfpdx.org and click the Donate tab, or you can even uh, cash app us, or you can use Venmo, or you can use Google Pay, or anything like that. A dollar a month would be put to good use for the gospel. Or if you're poor like us, that's too, that's fine too. You can still partner with us. Just like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You can always find our content on ABF's YouTube page, Instagram, Facebook, and the VRN Facebook group. So take a second to do that if you haven't shared today's, um, if you haven't shared today's show. And remember, you can stay up to date uh, whenever we share new content each week. And remember that that content, at least for the time being, is shared on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. And we'll see you then. I am Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.